Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Lavernius, shit feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. Yeah, just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about live fire barbecue and grilling items of the utmost importance. Why, I just spent an hour talking about my Saturday, if you can believe it or not. (laughs) Well, believe it if you don't, if you're just tuning in to the second hour. You got the full rundown, intimate details on this past Saturday's Grill Fest 2022 at the Hartville Hardware location in Hartville, Ohio. So go back and get that on podcast if you missed it, or you can watch the audio and vi- or the video archive as they will automatically save and be ready for rewatch here shortly after the show ends here this evening. Still to come on the show, Matt Frampton from Urban Slicer Pizza Works and closing the show, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. So looking forward to talking with them. By the way, the show originating from Palm City, USA, Cleveland. We say good evening to the folks that are watching the show over on Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. There's also a video feed over on YouTube slash RD Rempe. You can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat. And we also say good evening to the folks that are listening to us only and not watching us on our audio platform partner, Clubhouse, which may or may not be having the aforementioned known issues. We tried with Guy, but it didn't work. Now, look, the Scott's right on stage. I don't understand it. Scott, you're there, aren't you? Yep, I'm there. Of course you're there. You're from Cambridge. You know what you're doing? You're a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, the mute, mute button's in the bottom right. Pretty small. Mm. Well, yeah, but I have a problem going on with Guy. It could be the uh, somebody had asked in the YouTube chat Club Deck, and it's a download if you go to, I don't know, clubdeck.com or just Google Club Deck. It's a interface that goes on your computer. I only use it because it helps me pipe in the big-time microphone, and you can hear all the sound effects and all that crap, but uh, otherwise I don't know if it would be better to use in lieu of the phone, unless you're just somebody that sits in front of their computer. Anyway, you were there Saturday. I know I droned on and on, but from a cook's perspective, what did you think of the event? And what do you think of the event as a whole, both from a uh, cook and a consumer? It's an awesome event. It, uh, it, you know, Hartfield has a, definitely a first class act, uh, there and they, they run the event the same way as they do their store. Um, you definitely with all the demos there's a lot of activity as a cook you uh you definitely are busy most of the day so you do miss some of the the activities you you're kind of torn between watching your cook and 
and wanting to see the demos, but you know, wanting to win kind of usually drives you to watch your cook a little bit more than than uh, you know attending all the demos for sure. Well, two hundred fifty bucks to win your segment, and then winning it overall gets you in another two hundred and fifty bucks. Aside from some pretty cool trophies, I mean, it's a pretty big payday considering you're what invested thirty bucks in. Aside from your travel and all that stuff, it's like a thirty, thirty-five, or forty-dollar entry fee or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And then all the camaraderie with the other cooks—that's the other thing in the tent. You know, there's a lot of discussions in the day. And, you know, just the barbecue family in general is always a good, good family to be around and a lot of good, a lot of good discussions during the day while you're cooking. So it's not, it's definitely a lot of excitement and, uh, something I probably won't ever miss, but it all started for me with, uh, I went to a Traeger, uh, shop class there mm-hmm. at Hartville mm-hmm. and, uh, actually, uh, one of them was, I went to two different ones. Diva Q was one of the teachers. And then uh, your embedded correspondent, Dougie. Doug Shiley. Yeah, was my other. Right. yeah. yeah. So, yeah. They both did a great job teaching. Really had never done any competing until I came to Hartville. And this would have been my third year attending. So it, it's a great, it's a great time. Great opportunity, you know, kind of gives you a little bit of the bug to want to compete. And uh, also, it's, you know, great time with the, the guys around that you're you're competing with yeah great in the competition tent and of course i always uh like seeing you in person and everybody else that stops me and says hey i'm just here because i heard it on the show or i'm a i'm a fan of the show and i don't really know what else is happening here but came because you were talking about it so that's always really nice but uh, appreciate your feedback on the event and always good to see you in person scott yep good to see you too greg Oops. see you next year all righty there he is scott from cambridge ohio and his work's fine. I can tell right now here on this uh, clubhouse, something got screwed up when I was inviting Guy on. There's something by his name that just isn't going away. It wasn't there when Scott came up, so maybe there's a bug. I'm sure it would fix itself if I stopped the clubhouse feed, but I am not. Andrew, you are not. The- I'm not going to do that. Nope. Hey, coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 247, taking you back to a date you've probably heard the last two weeks, September 6th, 2016. And I don't recall this has ever happened before or not. I'm going with not. The last three weeks of best moments shows have all come from the same original show. What does that tell you? Content is king for September 6, 2016, as it relates to shows. Joining me back then is Barbecue Hall of Famer and Barbecue Central Show guest Hall of Famer, John Marcus. And I don't usually say this so openly, but during this particular portion of the interview, we talked extensively about porta-potties. Yes, porta-potties. In fact, I recount a story from a year or so prior to that interview where three guys were out in the wilderness and happened upon a porta potty one of the guys decided he was going to use the facilities and while he was in there his other two pals decided it would be some dynamite wilderness fun to flip the turlet over so they did it and in doing so helped their pal in the potty break his neck like break his neck and became a quadriplegic <laughs> So like people do these days, 
the guy who's now a fresh paraplegic sued the turlet company and won millions and millions of dollars. Why? Because the potty wasn't properly secured to the ground. True story. Google it. In fact, it brought John Marcus to a whole new realm of holy shit. I can't believe that actually happened. And that guy's seen a lot. I mean, he worked with Bill Cosby and some very other famous people. So I know he's seen and experienced a lot. But having your friends tip you over in a porta potty, helping you become a paraplegic, and then turning around and suing the porta potty company and winning? Wow. That is something else. And you can hear about it on this week's Best of Show. By the way, if you want to hear a guest or a segment again that has been lost in the archives, email John. Tell him what you would like to hear. J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. And he'll do his best to meet your expectation as it relates to Best of Shows. Upcoming shows for the rest of this month include a visit from barbecue icon Stephen Reichland next week. Derek Riches will be in next week as well. And the embedded correspondence... However, the embedded correspondent next week, believe it or not, if you can believe we're here already, I'll be shocked. The annual Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame segment. Let's go! What does that mean? Let me set it up for you. Doug and Rusty and John and myself will all come together next week. And what will happen? We will bring our five nominees to the table. We will immediately puke out who our nominees are. Now, in years past, we have generated auto invites or uh, auto qualifiers right in. If everybody gets the same name, all four, in unanimous, that person gets in right off the bat. That typically doesn't work out like that. Wouldn't that be amazing, though, if... All of our names got in right away because we put in five every year. After that, each one of us picks a name from the remaining list of nominations and then goes to the mat for each individual one, trying to sell our names to the rest of us. Now, maybe we have a change of heart. We allow those persons in until we get to five. Last year, it took a while, but we had a great list. By the way, all of the classes of the Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fames are on the website, starting with the inaugural class of 2018 and working its way into 2021, if you can believe. 2022 starts next week. We will have a new class for Barbecue Central Show Guest Hall of Fame at the end of the show next week. Look forward to that. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We love that you can get rip-roaring hot for high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cookers? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking, very popular because it helps you manage the fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. Enter Primo Grill and their game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute a two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. You can cook over 60 different ways, depending on how you configure this thing. Believe it or not, only limited by your culinary imagination. If you want accessories, they got them. They have a Primo Grill rotisserie accessory. They have a 
Primo Grill Pizza Accessory. They have drip pans, full and half rib racks. They got the new top and bottom dampers, the new lift hinge. Come on, what are you waiting for? Get on over there. These are only sold through dealers, just like Green Mountain Grill. So go to primogrill.com, find a dealer near you, see the size oval that you like best, talk to the sales staff, get educated, and away you go. Primogrill.com, that's primogrill.com, and hook up with the ceramic cooker on the market. We are back with Matt Frampton from Urban Slicer Pizza Works. Right after this, stick around, be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in three sizes with a host of accessories to complete your Pit Barrel cooking experience. Doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a professional, definitely cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. All right, kicking off the second hour tonight is a guy who is roundly, no pun intended, considered to be the live fire pizza guru of our industry, if not the world. You have tried his dough, you've tried his sauce, and most recently you started using his pizza spices. But what else is going on in the world of pizza and beyond? Let's go ahead and hit the hotline. Welcome back. The Urban Slicer himself, Matt Frampton. Hey, Matt. How are you, sir? Dare I say happy National Pepperoni Pizza Day to you. Oh, my. Right back at you. That it is. It is definitely a glorious day anytime we have a National Pizza Day. Is there a best pepperoni or... Does the best pepperoni dictate itself to the style of pie that you're making? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going under the cheese, a just a, a regular pepperoni that maybe stays flat. Um, you may have heard the cup and char pepperoni term, um, but essentially it just means the casing is still on the outside of the pepperoni. So when it heats up, it, it shrinks a little bit and it holds the grease as like a little cup in there and um so yeah that's my style there's lots of good brands out there that make it um most of them are food service but yeah is cup and char also what they would refer to as old world pepperoni uh i mean that's somewhat synonymous yeah cup and char has kind of become the industry term Mm -hmm. um there's a uh, hormel makes a cup and crisp um which is uh their their branded version of it Hmm. what what do you prefer like if you had your druthers, are you always a flat guy or are you a cup and crisp or, or cup and char guy? I'm a cup and char guy. Um, if Did you, you like look the grease? at my uh, social. Oh, yeah, I love the grease is the best part, man. You can pick those little pepperonis up and take shots of it oh, if yeah. you want. Grease nice shot. and healthy. Yeah. Yeah, baby. I did a, uh, a little montage of my favorite pepperoni pizzas on social earlier today just to commemorate the, the wonderful day that we have today. 
if you're not familiar with the website, UrbanSlicerPizza.com is the place to go if you haven't tried Matt's products. The doughs are absolutely insane. The sauce is of legend, and of course, the pizza spices are equally insane. In fact, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the show, but we had a little flank steak dinner, and I had these uh, the grocery store where I'm at because I'm lazy. has the pre-shredded Brussels sprout kind of thing, so... Four strips of bacon and a hot cast iron pan, get the bacon rendering, get the fat out, and then throw the Brussels sprouts in there. Did a little down east dinner dust from Bub and Mothers, but then came over heavy handed with the, uh, the 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 white spice at the Parmesan or what's the, the name? I'm Oh yeah, the the white pizza mojo. Yes, yeah, the yeah. white pizza mojo, heavy handed over the top. Oh my god, I'm telling you, if you haven't tried it, it's a winner. And I find myself I'm a you know, not handy. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I, and also I like to live within rules. So I prefer people to tell me, do this, do that. When it comes to cooking, I, I don't like to experiment. I don't want to do anything wrong. I don't know if I was abused as a child in life. I'm just kidding. I wasn't everybody relax. Uh, but uh, when I see your, the red mojo, the white mojo, I only want to just use it on pizza. And then I'm like, you know what? F this. I just started using it on everything. Salads and Brussels sprouts and ice cream and to, just to see what happens. And that stuff is magic. I mean, seasoning just should be used willy-nilly, right? Yeah, man. It's it's super versatile. Um, the uh, the white one's really good on uh, potatoes, like in a, a cast iron skillet. Potatoes, mm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Brussels sprouts, popcorn. Um, my, my son calls the red one powdered pizza so you can put it on anything and make it taste like pizza if you're in the mood um or make like a sausage with it or something so yeah that's awesome that you love it man matt love i it. mentioned on the show that you are the pizziola to pizziolas which is a nod to the cosa nostra term for capo to capi which is the boss of bosses can you quickly tell us how one becomes a pizziola again yeah, sure. I mean, so first of all, you always find ways to embarrass me because <laughs> there's plenty of good pizziolas out there, man. I definitely don't think I'm the best, but uh, uh, I have my, my own words. style. My words, Matt, not so, yours. Yeah, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, you know, I'm obviously catered to the backyard just because of my roots, um, but I did go get my credentials. So I'm a graduate of the International School of Pizza. pizza. Um, I did under... under um, He's like the Myron Mixon of the pizza world. His name's Tony Gemignani and a 13 time world champion. Got to manage his restaurant for several days and study under him uh, all the, the eight days I, I was there. And um, super cool experience. Um, you can do that. There's a couple of one or two day classes or you can just really dive in and be self-taught. I mean, there's a number of ways to do it. Um, but being a pizziola means you love making pizza and uh, you respect the craft and and um, you know treat it with the the respect it deserves. It's a it's an art and a and a science and and uh, a good hobby. Matt Frampton joining us here on the show from Urban Slicer Pizza, UrbanSlicerPizza.com, the website. Matt, the past two years for many in the live fire community were gangbusters. Uh, as the year turned, however, here in 2022, the boom seems to have largely busted for many. How's your business right now? Are you feeling those effects too? Um, well, it's had no shortage of challenges with distribution and, and procuring our raw ingredients, but um, we've been pretty fortunate. I mean, we're still 
growing. Um, we doubled year over year from, from last year and we're on pace to do that again this year. So, um, it's been really awesome. I just love that we're accepted by the community out there. Um, uh, we're, we're in over 2000 stores now across North America. A lot of those are in Canada. So it's been a cool year for urban slicer. I know there's been a lot of, uh, challenges with companies out there, but, um, we've been fortunate to fortunate enough to be one that, uh, probably hasn't seen the brunt of it. Do you foresee, I want to say smooth sailing, but no worse sailing than you're experiencing now through the end of the business here? I, I do. Yeah. And, I, and, um, so flour obviously is a big ingredient of ours and there's been an interesting hit, you know, distribution, the droughts that have happened across the United States and, and outside the U S. Um, what about the war and, did uh, that, we're seeing did that hurt you at all didn't impact me because we procure everything in the u.s um but it i mean it has had a, an impact on the ag industry in general um and so uh, while our ingredients haven't been so directly impacted our suppliers are being squeezed with other ingredients we're trying to get um, our manufacturers being squeezed here and there so we're competing with those challenges in a way, but um, luckily we've had no inventory issues. We've we've had no situations this year. Where we've been out of stock, um, so we keep you know we're, we're we keep pressing on and and delivering. Um, we had to do a slight price increase uh, earlier this year. I held off and, until then to do it, but it wasn't very big, and I have no plans to do that in the future. And I I don't see any reason why we would need to. So. I think we're headed to greener pastures. I don't want to, you know, put the cart before the horse, but I really do think we're um, we're starting to level off here with the with the way things have been. For as many stores as you're in now, I think you said over two thousand retail locations or whatever it is, uh, getting into Canada. So that obviously means you're going international as well. What's the next big growth bump? Where's the the long term or the stretch goal for you? Well, the I've been laser focused on our gluten free line, which um Oh you I need gluten for pizza? The, uh isn't that the craziest thing? Yes. Oh man, we could nerd out on gluten here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um so I've been working on it for several years. I think I've talked about it on this show before, and I'm on revision five right now, and I just approved the formula. Um our test market completed last night and super favorable, uh, feedback. I'm, I'm very excited. I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to overpromise anything, but I, I think it could be a game changer in the gluten-free space. Um, it tastes like pizza. It feels like pizza. It chews like pizza. I'm, I'm very, very excited to launch it. So now we're on to the packaging. Um, and I'm going to try and get it out by black Friday. It's going to be a stretch, but I'm going to do my best for that. Um, and then from there, we're just going to continue the organic, organic growth that we have. I mean, we've been, um, a lean company. Um, we've tried to do it the right way from the beginning. We've borrowed no money. Um, and so, you know, we're going to just try and keep doing that and taking it at the right place and paying, playing cash Tetris as best we can to keep growing without stunting that growth. And, um, so I'm more, uh, I'm more interested in, Maybe next year and versus the long game and just and just keep growing from here. Did you get any potential suitors to buy Urban Slicer the past year or two? No, nothing serious. I mean, really? I've had a couple of people. Yeah, no, we, we, I, 
you know, that day I'm sure will come. Um, I, I guess we could, you know, be so fortunate, but, um, Nope, I'm not shopping. I'm not looking to sell, and I have not been approached by anyone. Yeah, I'm uh, surprised. I mean, there it. was a tremendous amount of business being transacted here over the last couple of years. There was a lot of big grill brands. I mean, you're not a, a grill company per se, but you're related into the the live fire business uh, without a doubt. And a lot of barbecue guys and grilling guys like to do the high heat pizza stuff. So to me, it seemed to have made sense with all this business being transacted around. Somebody would want to come and potentially partner with you or offer you a, you know, a check to go right off into the sunset and they just take it over or what have you. So a uh, little surprising there. Anything new product wise, otherwise uh, that you're looking to bring in before the end of the year or just the gluten-free stuff? Just the gluten-free for now. Um, we're doing a little bit of food service work. So not, not just product, but we're doing some consulting. So I'm helping restaurants develop recipes and um, that's been a, a good part of our business. Um, but that's that's our focus for now just one thing at a time um i have about 10 11 other ideas and and as things progress you know i may may put those out to market but um you know i uh i'm not trying to get like crazy with uh with 200 SKUs here i, I really want to focus on what we're good at um and uh that's where we're going to stay for a little while matt frampton joining us here on the show from urban slicer pizza matt Coming up here, I think the next week is something called the American Royale or Royal, as uh, we talk about it. And this brings us to a unique point in the interview because I don't know if a lot of people who are either fans of the show or know you because of the pizza stuff realize who Matt Frampton really is, which, of course, is a founding member of the best-named barbecue team ever on the face of the earth, Hot Grill on Grill Action. And that's how I knew you originally. You were the barbecue guy with Ryan and Logan and Chris, and you guys you were on uh, were you guys on Pitmasters, too? Uh, or at least a couple of you guys were on yeah, Pitmasters. Yeah, we were on the... This, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I yes, originally know you as... Matt the barbecue guy, and now you're Matt the pizza guy, but perhaps there may be a refiring or reemergence of hot grill on grill in Kansas City this year. That is a fact. Um, so we will have all four members of Hot Grill on Grill action down there, and um, super excited. We've so this will be our our ten year. Uh, 10 straight year at the Royal. So we should wow. be getting a, a banner looking forward to that. Um, I, right before I came on, I looked it up. I think the first time we came on the show, um, I came on with Logan and Ryan and that was October of, I think 2011. Wow. If I, uh, yeah, so yeah, it's crazy how, how time has flown. And, um, definitely, I mean, without barbecue, urban slicer would be nowhere. It's, um, this is my 17th season competing. And, um, those relationships, I mean, a lot of the guys that compete, they either have or, uh, had stores and we're in a lot of those places and, and just having that network and awesome group of friends that, uh, accepted pizza into their world has been a huge part of it. And, and barbecue is definitely in my roots, man. I can't wait to get down to the Royal and compete. So if you've been going now your 10th year in a row to the Royal, there were years when you guys were really putting in the work knocking down the competitions, doing pretty well for yourself. And then I assume that fell off at some point. You're still doing the Royal, but you're not out doing 15, 20 events. Have you been gearing up more this year in order to 
you know, uh, make a run at it? Well, I mean, we've had some, uh, we've never won the Royal, um, but we've had some pretty good success where we at least are, we're on stage most years. So um, we definitely want to do that, you know, have a, have a, a respectable showing. Um, the four of us have competed together three times leading up to the Royal uh, just in the last couple of months, just mm-hmm. as a little tune up action. We got a new trailer, we got a new Jambo. Um, oh, wow. And uh, so, so we're ready to go, I, I think. Um, but yeah, you're right. The last six, seven years, it's really um, tapered off. Um, Logan has a very large business that he runs here in Omaha. Um, Chris is retired. Ryan is a, uh, a construction um, a construction executive here in Omaha and, and super busy. And then I've got what I've got going on. So if we get four contests in a year, it's a miracle. We can't, we can't do what some of these guys do, but uh, we have been talking about uh, hitting the road in 2025 and and giving it a serious run. Um, so I know that seems so far away, but uh, at our age with our kids and everything, we got to plan that stuff. So yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Matt Frampton talking mm-hmm. about giving it a go again here at the American Royal, ten years in a row, which coincides uh, pretty much with the first time hot grill on grill action uh, showed up on the show. Actually, I guess that would be 11 years here now that we're in 2022. Wow. I can't believe it. Um, you can find his Crazy pizza man. stuff at urban If you are in to pizza of any form or fashion, you have to try his stuff. If you haven't already be sure to hook up with the sauce and then the red and the white seasonings as well. Matt, always appreciate the time. Good luck at the Royal. And remember you guys win. Everybody's coming back for a recap that next Tuesday. Oh my God. I, I hope that happens and we'll definitely be here, man. So have an awesome time. It's good catching up. All right, Matt. There he is. Matt Frampton, hot grill on grill action and urban slicer pizza. Again, the website, urban slicer pizza.com. And man, what a, a flash in time again, you know, uh, 11 years ago, they show up as a barbecue competition cooking team and then, don't leave it, but have very busy lives. I mean, when you have multiple pitmasters on a team, which you really don't see a lot of uh, anymore. I think in the beginning when I was starting to get into it, you had a number of teams that had four guys, five guys, six guys. I remember Whiskey Bent Barbecue seemed to have a cavalcade of ever-changing lineups. Chad was always the main guy, but there were a, a number of people that would roll. It was like an entourage uh, with some of these guys. And all of a sudden it started to weed itself out a little bit and there were husband and wife teams but then all of a sudden there were a lot of single dudes just going out and doing a whole contest by themselves in fact some of the best guys out there right now are doing it mostly as a single unit team and doing very well maybe that's what it takes at this point but Brian and the guys and uh, Matt and Logan and Chris all looking to change the game up here and grab a American Royal win if their turn-ins and luck should have it, and we wish them nothing but success. All right, we have Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly in the green room ready to come on and talk a little barbecue, so stay tuned for that. I will talk to you about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers 
Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa Smokers has everything you need to be a better outdoor cook. 13 perfectly balanced flavors on the rubs and seasoning sides, transforming ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or grilling for your family and friends, Big Papa Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings don't disappoint. Also, they own Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're looking for something new that will please everybody, it's a little different than what's currently out there. Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor reminds us of why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And aside from the rubs and the sauces, they're selling cookers. Are you looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? Take a look at that old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. Not sure what grill you need? Call them and ask questions. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers. We're back with Daniel Vaughn right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Let's get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. I want to thank Matt Frampton for joining us last segment. This portion being brought to you by Smithfield.com. Head on over there for recipes and tips and tricks from well-known live fire cooks like Darren Worth, Jess Pryles, and Childs Criddle with mouth-watering flavor and no artificial ingredients. Smithfield Fresh Pork is quite simply some of the finest pork money can buy and is the trusted choice of top cooks for use at competitions and at home. That's smithfield.com. Coming out of the bullpen tonight is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine. You also see him on this show once a quarter where we talk about various barbecue topics and the Texas world in general. We race to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Daniel Vaughn. Hey, Daniel. Greg, how are you? I am absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you making time for the show here during your quarterly visit. We have uh, plenty of stuff to talk about here, not the least of which, if I might start here, because one of the things the Texas Monthly is most well-known for is this top 50 barbecue list that you put out. Last week, I have a guy, you might, not, you might not know, uh, Robert Moss on the show during his monthly segment. He announces that within the next week or so, Southern Living is going to be releasing their top 50 barbecue joints list. Do you have any guesses on how many Texas spots will be making their list? Uh, not enough. I mean, if if Robert was <laughs> honest, uh, I think it'd, it'd have to be at least 30 of the 50. More uh, than half. Wow, I like it. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, first off, Texas is a huge state. We've got a, a, a lot of incredible barbecue here. Um, I've talked to Robert in the past that I think it would just make more sense if he'd talk to his editors and and let him skip Texas. Um, just let us do Texas at Texas Monthly and uh, give the rest of the folks in the South some shine uh, at Southern Living Magazine. But he, he reminds me that part of the readership uh, for Southern Living is in Texas. So they've They've got to cover it, um, you know, whether uh, whether I suggest it or not. I'm not here to cast dispersion on what considers the South or what regulates the South. <laughs> but in his explanation last week, he said that Kentucky and West Virginia, both states that border Ohio, are in the Southern living diaphragm of what is considered the South. What do you consider the South? Oh, what do I consider? And is it Kentucky and West Virginia? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I guess, uh, I guess, you know, I guess if you were uh, were on the South side in the Civil War, you pretty much were in the South, and still are. Um, But yeah, I, I I mean, there are obvious states. You know, um, you know, Texas is a tough one, though. It's like East Texas feels a whole lot like the Deep South. Um, West Texas doesn't feel anything like it. So. We are the South um, here in Texas. We're the Southwest as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, man, you get up into Amarillo, and I mean, that's further north than Oklahoma City. It's an interesting topic. Uh, aside from COVID prohibiting it, Robert makes the claim that uh, they're producing a list every year. Could Texas Monthly benefit from increasing their release to every? 24 months or 12 months considering how quickly things change these days Uh, things do change quickly but um you know we have a huge team of folks that we put together to do our top 50 list and because of that it it takes us about six months to put it together and if we were to do it every year then like half of the time uh that many people would be working on the top 50 barbecue list i think too that things do change quickly but they don't, don't think they change that quickly i don't think there's um you know, so much turnover that you can expect over, uh, you know, from a year to year basis. I mean, for me too, just having that four year gap, um, is helpful in, you know, going through the, it's in actually reaching the target that we set for ourselves, which is to look at all of these places fresh every time. And I think if it, you were to do it every year, it's just too easy to bring in your, you know, most recent a visit there that happened a year earlier and and bring that into your rankings. So we really do think that separation is useful. And then I do put out a list um, that we have fewer people at Texas Monthly working on every two years um, or well in the two years in between our top 50, which is the uh, 25 best new barbecue joint list. And so uh, that helps us cover a lot of the new stuff that's happening, a lot of the new places that have opened. So um, we, we give them a little bit of shine that way. When we were talking about some topics to hit and chat about this evening, you'd mentioned that there were a number of barbecue joints that are closing, and that means business isn't sustainable in a state that has always been linked to sustaining as many barbecue restaurants that decided they wanted to give it a go. How involved of a problem is this? Well, um, it it seems to be a a lot of similar type places are the ones that are closing. And by similar type, I mean, um, well, the ones that keep opening up uh, tend to be 
like weekend only or maybe three day a week, uh, generally uh, serving out of a food truck of some sort or a, a temporary establishment, right? Not a brick and mortar, not a open all week long or even five or six days. Uh, and so these are the places that I'm noticing are, are closing as well. So we've had several of these closures. Uh, I've been tracking them over the last year. We've, we've had uh, quite a few here in the last six months or so. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's as much a symptom of, uh, I don't know, the, the saturation of the barbecue market or just simply that you've got a bunch of folks who uh, took on second jobs, um, many who didn't quit their day job to, to do something that's exhausting. And they've just simply gotten exhausted of it all. There's, you know, the, it, it, well, you, and you add in like all those, the high prices of, of meat that we're still seeing and the sustained high prices. And it really just at the end of the day, when you're going through all that work and you're seeing probably so little profit come in, it is probably tough to justify all that hard work. So as you had just mentioned, the uh, sustained high prices of meat, one of the talking points on the show for the past number of weeks, and it seems there's a portion of the listening audience that has had enough of this kind of talk, but the other half seems to be very involved with it and uh, can't get enough of it. It's the finished cost of brisket and where it's currently living. A lot of places are 35 bucks a pound and perhaps trending up. And maybe, uh, although I didn't get a chance to talk to him because we ran through a little bit of a time zone issue in the first hour, I was going to have Leonard Patello on from Truth Barbecue. And I thought on a couple different social media posts that I saw from him, there was a number $49. Uh, I don't know if that's what his cost of brisket per pound is, but I saw that on a, on a chalkboard behind him in a few different pictures. Um, I guess, A, is that something that you could confirm through any of your experience? And then getting back to the sustained 35 and potentially creeping up um, where do you see that stopping yeah. um I, I if truth barbecues at 49 dollars a pound that would be news to me and there's a place that opened up here in dallas recently that is serving wagyu brisket uh on the regular and they are in a very pricey part of town it's called the douglas and uh, they serve really good barbecue but it's also 44 dollars a pound for brisket mm. as far as i know that's the most expensive place you can uh, get it um in texas anyway and so yeah I'll, I'll go back and look at truth barbecue but i don't think they've reached those heights yet uh of 49 dollars a pound as you said you know, reaching $30 a pound is not unusual these days, um, even in the mid thirties. Uh, but you know, today I just had a, a, a sneak peek at HEB grocery store that just opened up here. Uh, most of the new HEBs now in Texas, uh, have a true Texas barbecue within them. Now we're talking the buying power of a major, you know, grocery chain, and they have $22 a pound brisket. Now they're, they're serving choice brisket. Uh, it's still an all natural brisket, uh, but they're serving a choice all natural brisket and, and charging $22 a pound for it. So, um, you know, when you've got that sort of buying power, you can, you can get back down to those more reasonable sounding prices. But, you know, when you're just your, your everyday Joe, who's, who's out there buying brisket by, you know, a few cases here and there, um, you don't have any sort of that negotiating power. Tim McCaskill was on the show last week, and he had mentioned that it's not necessarily the meat cost that's the biggest driver here of 
why brisket is living at $30, $35 a pound, but it's more inflation or the CPI index, which is just launched into the stratosphere. Is that something that you agree with as well? Uh, to a certain degree, yeah. I mean, costs have gone up everywhere, uh, but the I think people really focus on the price of brisket because that's an easy thing to gauge uh, for Texas barbecue joints. And, and now that like everybody in the world loves brisket, easy to gauge, uh, you know, around the country and, and worldwide. But uh, one of the things that is often left out in that is that the brisket the brisket prices over you know say three four years ago those were artificially low because you could charge a higher price than what was necessary to charge to make a profit for things like pork and turkey chicken sausage these other items that were on the menu you could make your money in those items and charge less money or a less profitable price for brisket uh, and now that's just not the case anymore because the prices for all of those things have gone up the prices for the sides prices for all those ingredients have gone up so you can no longer hide that um, that high cost of the brisket elsewhere in your menu you just you just have to charge for it because you've got to charge that um, you know you're paying higher prices for all the other stuff uh, without raising those prices exorbitantly that's certainly a, an interesting insight and something that I hadn't even thought about nobody's mentioned it so uh, extremely great insight from one Daniel Vaughn, of course, from Texas. Well, thank you. TMBBQ.com, and he's the barbecue editor over there, of course. So let's switch it up for the rest of the segment here talk about cookers. Uh, when one thinks of Texas barbecue specifically, you think of those huge offset cookers, and I imagine if you don't have one of those somewhere on your property as a restaurant operator, your street cred goes right out the window. Does history show that these have always been the cooker of choice? Well, uh, does history show? I mean, if you were to talk to somebody about what traditional Texas barbecue is, I'm sure they would point to a, a steel offset smoker <laughs> as uh, what they would consider the the vessel that you would make traditional Texas barbecue from. And it would be brisket uh, as that, that would be coming out of it as your most traditional thing. Uh, and, and while the idea of cooking with wood and cooking indirectly with wood even goes back a long, long way in Texas, a century in Texas, um, the steel offset smoker is quite a bit younger. Uh, and uh, I did some really in-depth research trying to find, you know, really trying to pin down when it happened. You know, you, you hear these, um, these, these stories about oil field workers who in the bust of the eighties didn't have anything to do, had a lot of extra material around and had welding skills. And so they put together these smokers. Um, and that sounds like, you know, a, a good enough story, but is that really the way it happened? And I'm always curious about things like that, uh, trying to actually go back and, and prove the way things happen um, and not just try and repeat the way the stories that are told. Right. And so going back and doing the research, uh, that is the way it happened. And that is pretty much the timeline. And it, it wasn't until the uh, early 1980s, like 1983, really, 1982 and 83, when you first started seeing steel offset smokers being uh, marketed to the public, uh, both as backyard cookers and as more professional size cookers. Uh, in fact, like the first image I could find of one it was from 1978. Um, and it was a, it, it would be even hard to recognize now because of the shape of it, because the shape these days has been so regularized by the use of propane tanks. Uh, so that, that 
shape, that oblong, um, you know, cylinder with the rounded ends is what we so associate now with what a Texas style cooker looks like because of the propane tanks and, and reusing them. Uh, but that, that, that image, even from, uh, 1978, which, uh, that's when I was born. So that wasn't that long ago, yeah. uh, was, um, you know, it, it just, it hardly looked like what you would, uh, you know, recognize as a steel offset smoker these days. So pre 1978, what was the favorite way of making barbecue or the most accepted way? Uh, it would be in a, uh, in a brick smoker um where you were just going to be either you were going to be either cooking directly or you were going to build a fire off to the side it didn't have like a separated firebox um and then it, places like even today you can go to places like a, a smitty's market or a kreitz market in lockhart texas and see where instead of a, a firebox built next to the brick pit it's really just an opening in the side of that brick uh, cooker and then a, a fire built um you know right next to that opening uh so it, that's really the way it was done um and it wasn't really until like the 19 20s and 30s to where it was even normalized to have that that brick style of smoker um you know there were even some upstart uh places like the the food trucks of today were the barbecue shacks of yesteryear right and so there it was still uh pretty normal for a lot of those places to just have a trench out back have a, a hole in the ground out back where they were uh, cooking wood down to coals and, and cooking directly over that and so that really is uh the oldest style of Texas style barbecue is cooking directly over those coals. Do you see a time in the future where offset smokers would fall out of favor to something else? Um, I don't really see it because, you know, in um, barbecue is a hard thing to produce. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of effort, takes uh, specialized uh, equipment and all that. But uh, there's no denying that, that using an offset smoker and being able to just deal with a fire in, instead of dealing with a direct heat cooker and, and dealing with, uh, um, you know, having to actually deal with fat dripping down into the fire, constantly flipping meat, mopping meat. It's a much more active process, much more difficult um, and really just much easier to screw up than mm. cooking meat in that, in, you know, through the indirect heat in an offset smoker like that. So I don't really see the offset smoker going away. And in fact, we're in the midst of quite a resurgence of it and where we saw so many rotisserie cookers come in and, and they're kind of falling by the wayside in, in favor of the uh, offset smoker. And the fact that they're portable, you know, they're not easily portable. Like not <laughs> Some of them are trailer mounted. You can just put on the back of your truck, but you can haul them on a trailer. You know, you can't do that to a, a brick pit. You got to build that thing in place. No names, please. Are there a number of barbecue joints in Texas faking it? In other words, is there some kind of a gas assist to help keep the right temperatures in order to not have to stay up all night and pitch sticks? Um, I don't know. I mean, there are a few of the old brick pits out there that I've seen like gas inputs to for like a little flame to keep things going, but it wouldn't be enough. It's really to start the fire. It wouldn't be enough to keep things hot. Um, you know, if, if you've got a rotisserie, yeah, then almost certainly, uh, you know, if you've got like an old hickory or a Southern pride, then you have certainly got a gas input there and, uh, you know, you're able to, 
to have both gas heat and wood heat. But I don't really know of anybody who's really got um, a gas or electric heating element in their offset cooker, no. That's something that would probably make the rounds pretty quick. You piss off an employee that knows, then the first thing they do after they get shit-canned is say, oh, well, so-and-so's barbecue place is actually using a heating element or whatever. They're passing it off as this, but it's really this. Yeah, but then, you know, you also would have to then point out the fact that um, that a lot of the great barbecue joints in Texas use an electric heating element to finish off their briskets. It's just, uh, you know, it's called a warmer, um, but they also, at a lot of the places, they spend all night in that warmer, um, and that's not run by you know, wood heat <laughs> that is plugged in. It's a moisture rich environment for some of them. And uh, it is a key part of the, you know, cooking process for a lot of folks. Daniel, anything you'd like to promote or reveal here before I let you go this evening? Well, I mean, we've got our, our first uh, Texas Monthly Barbecue Fest in Lockhart, Texas, uh, coming up in uh, the first weekend of November. And uh, for the first time ever, we have a Barbecue World's Fair that will be taking over the square in Lockhart, uh, right in the shadow of the beautiful Caldwell County uh, Courthouse. <laughs> and that is open to all, no ticket required to come to that Saturday event. And then uh, we still have general admission tickets left for the Sunday event, where uh, I think the 45 fifth of the top 50 barbecue joints just signed on to that so it's going to be our wow. biggest one ever all right if you want more information go to the website tmbbq.com read what daniel's writing he is a absolute master at the written word and is always well researched and enjoy reading what he does and you can find him once a quarter right here on the show which i believe the next time will be closing out 2022 and looking ahead here to 2023 daniel always appreciate the time thanks so much for coming on Great talking with you. Thank you. That's Daniel Vaughn right there. Again, the website, tmbbq.com, if you aren't already visiting, but I'm sure most of us are visiting fairly frequently. Interesting on the offset cooker. Uh, Look, I'm guilty when I'm talking to people about barbecue and they don't really know about it. I don't just say offset. Instinctively, I say, you know, like a Texas offset. Oh, yeah, 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 that. But I'll say offset to those of us within, but they don't know. I always drop in the Texas offset just to get a little bit more recognition to that. Before we wrap the show here, let me talk to you about Vortic Watch. Back in the day, watches were made to be worn on the wrist. Sorry, in the pocket. After World War II, wristwatches came into vogue, and the pocket watch quickly became an afterthought, finding their way into sock drawers and scrap heaps. Quite simply, a tragedy. Enter Vortic Watch Company, helping bridge the gap between America's storied watch manufacturing past and taking it to the present day, where wristwatches are finding incredible popularity. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is unique and one of a kind. Like this one. Nobody else has a watch just like this. This is mine. Vortic, founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check out VorticWatches.com. That's VorticWatches.com. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. And we thank Daniel Vaughn for joining us last segment, talking about the competing top 50 barbecue list from Southern Living. Competing. That should be due out maybe in the next week or so, so keep an eye out over it. Robert's segment, also Daniel and I talked about brisket pricing, and that pretty much is going to bring that to a close. Well, we'll probably have one more segment with Leonard Batello from Truth Barbecue, but after that. And the only reason I mentioned $49 a pound is because there were some pictures that I thought at $49 a pound. I was set to ask him that. But obviously that didn't work out too well in the first hour, but we will remedy that situation. Then we learned all about the big steel offset cookers that is now widely known as being the Texas-style cooker for barbecue and specifically brisket coming out of All the way back in the first hour, it was me all hour long, whether you liked it or not, talking about the absolutely fabulous Saturday this past at the Hartville Hardware 2022 Grill Fest, breaking it all down for you at nauseam. We were supposed to have a visit with Leonard Patello from Truth Barbecue, but there was a time zone mix-up, so we didn't get to fit him in. But I will be picking back up with the PR person to get new dates in, and I would imagine we'll have him here within the month, if not sooner than that. Second hour, Matt Frampton from Urban Slicer Pizza, UrbanSlicerPizza.com, the website. Products are great. Give them a try. And the refiring for the 10th year in a row of hot grill on grill action heading down to the American Royal next weekend and trying their hand at bringing back a GC. So we'll see how that works out. So we wish Matt and Ryan, Logan, and Chris all good luck there on the team. Bring it back for Nebraska, everybody. Omaha! Omaha! And closing it out, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly, the barbecue editor over there, tmbbq.com, his website. Everything will be revealed in podcast on Wednesday, hour number one, and hour number two on Thursday. Don't forget the Best Moment Show on Friday as well. Subscribe to the podcast feed. Big show planned for you next week. Of course, as I mentioned, we got the Barbecue Guest Hall of Fame embedded correspondence segment. So how do I always leave you? September 11, 2001. I will never forget. And until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe, saying bye-bye. Hey, what's up? This is JM, host of the Celebrity Grill podcast on iTunes, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling, all the time.